So a lot of you know my story, don't you? Driving along, wasn't very happy, was about 18 or 19 years old, driving along on the M5, and all of a sudden the car fills up with this love, and I am, um, <laughs> you know, totally overcome, don't know how I was driving, the rain was uh, going nuts on the windshield, and I realized that if this was the God that I didn't really know that I knew, although I thought I knew, if that makes sense, then how could I not follow him? I felt totally and utterly loved. Um, and to give you another uh, story, Isaac was born without uh, just a little piece of tissue that he needs to get uh, checked every so often and gets his bloods taken. And he's had his bloods done over all his life. And it's not a very pleasant experience for him. And most of the time when he goes to get them, he gets himself all worked up and it's not good. And um, The last time they weren't able to get the blood. So I was able to nip out of work and Claire and I were able to be there for him. And he really didn't want to do it. So uh, I sat him down and I said, son, I know that you don't want to do this. But if you want to grow up big and strong, we've got to do this, okay? And you're really, really brave and we're going to be right here the whole time. And he was okay. Okay. Now, not that at that point he went then. It was all just an easy rule and it just went without hitch. But because he knew that it was for his best, because he knows that I love him and Claire and I love him and his sister loves him, He's going to yield to the thing that he needs to happen for his own benefit and his own blessing and for him to reach maturity in life and all its fullness. So why is he saying this? Well, we've been talking about mind matters for the past eight weeks. And a lot of this, and for me personally, has been one of the most difficult topics to look into because it causes us to look at things that really we would rather not look at and just let life just roll on and don't want to think about my thoughts, don't want to deal with this. But if you can hear in all of this, if we can go back to basics, that in all of this, there is the Father saying, come on, you've got to do this. If you don't do this, you're not going to get well. And if you're not well, you're not going to be able to do what you're supposed to do. And I'm good. You can trust me. Come on. I'm going to be there with you the whole time. So let's start there this morning, and this is the last time that we'll be talking about mind matters for, well, I don't know how long, for another two weeks, and then we'll bring it out again. Uh, So what I want to say is, in all these things, we've got to remember that we're loved. If we do not remember that he loves us, now not in some religious, the Lord loves thee, in some, uh, he loves you uniquely, specifically, we don't quite grasp how good he is. He really, really, really loves us. If we don't grasp that, then we're never going to grasp the difficult things that he asks us to do at times. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So I've started these messages with this all the time. We want to explore the matters of the mind and communicate the importance of the mind and what we think. And I am confident and we are confident that if you choose to apply this teaching, you will find benefit. What we think about God, about ourselves, about each other is of the highest importance. And theory is absolutely important. But unless theory moves from theory to practice and application, it is completely useless. So to give you a brief recap, last week we were talking about the dividing soul and spirit. We covered that in small group and I think it was a good night. But I think most of us left going, my goodness, that was pretty full on and heavy. It's a big topic. So I want to uh, just cover it over briefly from last week, especially for those of you who weren't here. So 1 Thessalonians 5.23, now the peace, the, the God of peace himself sanctify you wholly and your whole spirit, 
your whole soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we are three-part beings. We have body, which is blood, flesh, and bone. We have soul, which is mind, will, and emotion. And we have spirit, which is wisdom, communion, and conscience. And God connects to us in our spirit. And we've got to um, divide it. We've got to discern it, and we've got to separate the two. And we must let the Word of God, who is Jesus Christ, who is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, and pierces us as far as the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and he is able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. So we've got to let Jesus Christ pierce us so that he divides our soul and our spirit. And I asked this question at small group, and it was this. What has Jesus said to you recently that has brought separation to your soul and your spirit? Now, most of the time when we talk about separation and division, it's not really a very pleasant word. I say separation, you don't think of birds and fluffy trees and life's wonderful. You normally think of pain, brokenness, it's all not good. But in this context, it's separation that brings connection. So just ask yourself the question, what has Jesus said to me recently that has brought separation to my soul and to my spirit? The soul is designed to communicate what the spirit is experiencing. Our souls are the megaphone. They should not be the ones speaking into it. And often what we tend to do is our soul will go, I don't like this. I don't want to do this. I don't like the way you do that. I don't like this. I don't like this about myself. I don't like this about my world. Why does life have to be this way? When the Spirit's going, just stay calm. Just stay at peace. We're connected to God. God's not concerned. His grace is enough and his power is made perfect in our weakness. But do most of us go, okay, soul's the megaphone. I am struggling here, but God's grace is enough and his power will be made perfect in this weakness. No, we go, I don't like this. I don't like the way this is going. It never goes. This always happens to me. Why does this always happen to me? And somebody else says to you, these things always happen to you. They do always happen to me. They always happen to me, and it's never going to change. Meanwhile, the Spirit's going. So we've got to let uh, our soul be the megaphone, not the one speaking into it. Proverbs eighteen twenty to 21 With the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach will be satisfied. He will be satisfied with the product of his lips. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. So we want to be careful about the things that we're saying, both about others, both about ourselves, and also about our futures as well. How many times do we say, if that happened to me, I couldn't cope? Or I bet you in the future we'll not have this? Or I bet you the future's going to look like that? To be fair, do you know what the future is going to be? Remember here somebody saying, how do you make God laugh? Tell him your plans. We don't know. We just don't know. So we can stop at that point and go, God, you said in Jeremiah 29, 11, that you know the plans that you have for me, which are plans to prosper me and not to destroy me. So let's learn to speak the truth. The soul tends to look for a provision before it moves out. The spirit moves out in faith in the one who provides. The soul searches for certainty when the spirit trusts the one who is certain. So you can see the the nearly diametrically opposed. We divide in this to bring unity. We separate to bring connection. And everything in the kingdom of God is, you want to be the most, then be the least. You want to have the most, then give it all away. You want to be first, then be last. You want to save your life, then lose it. So we separate to bring connection. 
And this whole journey, um, I've used this verse a lot, 2 Corinthians 10.5, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. And I've used the analogy before, but in work, if we get a, a five-point note or any sort of a note, and we're thinking, is this real? We hold it up to the light, and you can see the watermark, and you know that it stands. So we want to be grabbing every single thought. Now, I say that, and I imagine everybody goes, really? Are you serious? Well, I'm not, but God seems to be pretty darn serious. Does it seem like a lot? Yeah, it does. But do you remember when you were first learning to drive a car? Did you just hop in and you put your foot down and just got in the gear and off you went? Or was it a wee bit like me when it was, okay, so I put this down and then I put, oh, right, not that way. I put this down there. And then somebody talks about the bite. What is the bite? What do they mean by bite? Whoa, there's the bite. Uh, oh, great, we've got to change gear. How am I ever going to be able to turn a corner, indicate, check my mirrors, put the clutch down, lift the bite up, and then break as I'm going around and not kill anybody? And yet now, for most of us who have been driving for years, do you even go through those thought processes? You just drive. So in all of these things, uh, let's listen to what God says. And just because we haven't been there, let's not just discard them and go, that's not possible. So we want to take a step back. To be able to take something captive, we have to be able to see it. And this whole thing is a journey into self-awareness. If you're struggling with self-awareness, I would encourage you to get married. Uh, Last night, we were talking about an issue. And uh, Anna and Isaac were uh, in, the, in the living room. I told Claire that I was going to say that, and she laughed. She thought this was hilarious. But Claire came in, as she does, and I'm cornered. I'm making myself a cup of coffee, and there's nowhere for me to run. I've assessed the situation. I can't get out of it. The woman's approaching me at speed, and I'm thinking, oh, here we go. She's focused, tunnel vision, blinkers on. She's going after me. So I'm standing there and <clears throat> trying to keep my big boy pants on and not go, oh, love, be gentle. And we're talking about this, and she said, well, you know, you need to do this, and I've noticed that you're doing this, and, you know, if you did that, it would maybe make it a bit better. And I said, well, I just don't see that. And she said, of course you don't. You're not self-aware. <laughs> oh. oh, And as I told her this story, she went, the woman's brutal. <laughs> but she's right. There's things that I do that I don't see. God has told us to take every thought captive when most of the time we go every thought. I didn't think there were any. Most of us blokes think that half the time we're flatline. But actually, if we ask the Spirit, what's going on here? Would you help me to discern? We might find that there are a whole heap of other things going on that we didn't even know about. So just like being married, we want to be in this church a community known for his love. Now, most of the time, if somebody approaches you and says, uh, Mark, I need to speak to you, I want to say to you, in love, it's normally duck and cover because something's coming. What I want to say is that if you have something to say to somebody and it's in love, please don't start it with saying, I want to say this to you in love. If you are saying it in love, that's going to be pretty evident. And it may be difficult, but actually it's going to be evident over time that the fruit of that thing is good. Jesus said that we will know everything by the fruit that it produces. So if we do have something difficult to say to each other, which we want to do in this church, I've struggled with this. I don't know about that. We want to do those conversations, even though most of the time we don't. We just want to pretend that it's all going to go away and all be all right. But we want to speak the truth in love. Ephesians 4.15. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every aspect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. 
We want to speak the truth in love. What I find is that the times where I really want to speak the truth, you know, and I tend to get all, you know, yeah, I'm going to speak the truth there. I'm going to say to them, you know what you're doing there? You're doing this and this and this and this. And do you know what's doing there? It's this and this and this and this. And when you do this, hurts me, hurts them, hurts you. There you go, sunshine. Suck on that one. Do you like that? If I am in that type of form and I desperately want to speak the truth in love to somebody, that is not the time that I should ever be speaking the truth in love. What I find is when I am called to, note the use of words, speak the truth in love, I often don't want to do it. Partly because I feel the weight of what it is I'm about to do. I know that it's difficult when somebody has approached me and said things that are, Colin, I've noticed that you do this, like Claire last night. Well, of course you don't see it because you're not self-aware. <laughs> oh, it hurts. It stings. It stings. When you're in that place and you've got humility and you're thinking, I, oh, I would rather not do this, often that is a time that really you need to. So if you've got the bravado on and you're ready, and you're out to gun everybody down with the truth, please don't. It's normally your soul is holding the sword at that point. But whenever I, you're going, I don't want to do this, but I know that I should do it, then you're going to do it in a much more respectful, gentle, and loving way. Love brings light, and perfect love drives out fear. First John 4.18 when I know that I'm loved, I feel safe enough to listen and to change. How about you? Why did I tell you the story again about the car filling up with love? Because I know that God loves me. Therefore, if he's saying something to me that's difficult, well, I know that he loves me and I feel safe because he's not going to do something to hurt me. And actually, the reason why Claire and I still are married is because I know that she loves me. She can be brutally honest. Now, sometimes I'll say, you're being a wee bit brutally honest there. Sometimes that I may as well just blow under the wind. I say that. Other times she'll go, sorry, love, I could be a wee bit more gentle, could I? And then once I've stopped crying for 15 minutes, then she'll speak to me again, amazed that actually that comment worked. But because I know that she loves me, and me too, look, sword swings both ways. I'll come and say, look, my concern in this is if you keep doing this, this is going to happen. And I really love you, and I think that you're, you're better than this, and I think you could go there, but you're doing this, so that needs to stop. Why does she listen? Because she knows that I love her. So we've got to let the love of God affect us that we will listen to him when he asks us to do the difficult things. Love illuminates what's hidden in plain sight. We are complex creatures that have grown up in a fallen world. And we've been taught that we can do life without God. Therefore, we have these coping mechanisms I find that if someone was difficult, uh, was harsh with me, I would tend to either return uh, in favor, like an eye for an eye, be harsh back to them, or just be aloof. Don't exist. I'm not going to deal with that. Or if I had to leave somewhere and move on, I would just uh, coldly detach and move on. But now what I find as I'm getting older is that that's not okay. That hurts people. That there are other ways of doing that. But if I don't have God in that circumstance, I'm going to be just left with all of the mess and the pain of those circumstances. Whereas if I have him with me, I can say, I'm not quite sure how to do this. How do I do this? Okay, this is how I do this. I know that you're the same. We are complex creatures and we have grown up in life that has been painful and difficult and we find our own way to work it out. And like a computer, we have had so many programs running in the background of our lives affecting the day-to-day -day operation of our lives. And God wants to uncover those things and say, did you notice that? How many times have you had that experience? Either you just have revelation yourself, as in you go, my goodness, I didn't realize I did that. 
I noticed that I tended to uh, pick at my nails, right? You may go, where's, you serious? He's talking about his nails now. Shoot me now. How did I end up in this church? I'm going somewhere, trust me. So I, I find that I would tend to nobble my nails, pick at them. It's all a bit gross. Anyway, I'd be just hooking and hooking and hooking. Then what I noticed was, is there any particular uh, like thing that would be going on in my mind as I am picking up my nails? Aha, uh-huh, there actually is. Why do I pick up my nails? Well, if there's a difficulty, I'm trying to make everything better, right? You may, they may see me, this boy's lost the plot. That boy's cheese just slid off his cracker. You, you may be going, I just can't identify with that. Well, for me, I'm picking at things to try and make them better. What happens when I pick at them? They get worse. Worse and worse and worse and worse. The school or chain of thought is, you've got to do something. You've got to fix it, Con, because if you fix it, I'm going to feel all the much better and it's going to be all right. And it's not just my nails, people. Hello, anybody else identify with me? So what I find is that whenever I am picking out my fingers, there must be something going on in my mind. That seems ridiculous, doesn't it? But actually, if I'm in a good place and I am holding every thought captive and I am believing the truth, even my little nails benefit. Sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? But the truth will have implication on the smallest parts of your life, not just your nails. We think that it's just the big stuff. He cares about the whole heap. He numbers the hairs in your head. You may think that's a waste of time and all the accountants go, I would love to have time to have a spreadsheet to do that. He's into the detail. The enemy stays low and moves fast and is often hidden in plain sight. But we are transformed by the renewing of our minds, Romans 12 too. You will not bring renewal to that which you do not think is faulty. You can have people shouting at you saying, you need to change. And you're thinking, no, I don't, bud. But until, if you're like me, when it hurts me, then I'll know that there's something wrong. I may watch others around me being hurt by what I'm doing. I'm blissfully unaware that it's actually a problem that I have. When it starts to affect me, then I'm going to bring change. So you will not bring renewal to that which you do not think is faulty. And what I've discovered about God is he uncovers what is broken before he fixes it. Have you noticed that? We think that what happens is God's going to come and go, wage the magic Holy Spirit wand. He's going to heal us and then he's going to say, okay, so this is what it did. You were struggling with this. You had fear there. This happened in your childhood. Took that away. Put this in. Now everything's good and we're all fine. When in actual fact, what happens is this. I, I didn't know. Oh my goodness, this is awful. I just, why does it do that? I just do this all the time. This is absolutely terrible. I didn't know you did this, God. You see it for what it is. Has anybody else had that experience? You stand there with him going, I did not know that I did that. I didn't know that I was doing those things. And at that point then, he'll say, okay, come on, here's another way. Pride hides what love uncovers. And this, folks, is a journey into humility. I hope that what comes across when I'm communicating is that I am by no means perfect. The only reason that I can communicate about most of this stuff is because I've stood there going, oh my goodness. And God goes, come on, son, you can do it. Come on, come on. There's a better day. There's a better way of doing these things. Come on, you can do it. John 3.30, he must become greater and I must become less. So we need to know that we are deeply and dearly loved by God. Hebrews 12.6, because the Lord disciplines the ones that he loves 
and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Until you know that you're a son, you will interpret his discipline as just his disdain. When you know that you're loved and some difficulty comes your way, you can go, I'm listening, what do I need to do? And it all hinges on our response. But thankfully, we do not get to feel any of God's tests. We simply go around the mountain again. But if you're anything like me, I'm tired of going around mountains. I would rather learn to say, what do you need from me right now? What is it that I'm missing? What is it that you're saying? I, don't, I can't see anything that's wrong, but it certainly seems that there might be something. Would you show me? Not that God's up there. Hi, God. Pride hides what love uncovers. So let's talk a little bit about filtering your thoughts. Well, the function of a filter is to stop what is unwanted and unhelpful from getting through. And a filter is like employing a bouncer to check ID for the thoughts coming into your mind. You ever thought of that? I told, hold on a second. I don't recognize you. Or most bouncers don't need to walk towards. They just stand. And they go, hey, I'm 18. There's a girl in work and she has fake ID. And I just rake my face every time she brings it out. I'm thinking, does anybody ever actually actually look at these things and uh, stop people from coming in? Well, we want to put in gatekeepers or bouncers in our mind. And what's their function? Their function is to grab every thought and go, yeah, it's all right, come on in. No, out you go. And they're the thoughts that are difficult and go, hey, mate, come on, come on, I'm going to take you on. I'll take you on. You want me to rake a pain, do you? Do you want me to? Come on, come on. And the bouncer just stands there and goes, no, out you go, you're not getting in. Ah, right, I'll come back again sometime. We want to have the bouncers going, no, out you go. You're good, come on in. It's all right. For the bouncers to know which to let in, surely they need to know the nature of what's coming towards them. But you're going to let everything in, nor are you going to install a bouncer, gatekeeper, doorkeeper, unless you think that you actually need one. So if you take nothing else away from this today, take away the thought of, I've got numerous thoughts. Not all of them are mine. What I think is incredibly important, Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. We need to have a high value on analyzing and discerning our thoughts. We need to believe this. We need to recognize this, and we need to do this. I'm going to give you two key filter verses. Proverbs 15, 4. Now, these are really uh, two that I find real benefit with. Gentle words are a tree of life. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. So a couple of weeks ago, um, we had a bit of a difficult circumstance that was happening. And what then happened was there were people bringing their opinion into those difficult circumstances. Do you ever find that? You come with an issue and even you, you might not even know the people know and they'll come up and go, there's my experience. And you go, oh, thanks so much. That was wonderful. Typically uh, evident with uh, pregnant women and mothers who have already had children. Well, I tell you, you want to see what labor's like? They had to remove my legs. They put them on the wrong way. Then they put them on the right way again, all without anesthetic. And the woman who's never had the child's going, I'm never going to get through this. When all of us men are going, why would you even do that? Surely you're a woman and it was painful. And, you know, why wouldn't you just care for them? So we had this circumstance and we had these voices coming in saying this and this and this and this and it was about the future and it was going to be about this and these are the reasons why. And uh, Claire communicated to me, uh, this is what's been said. And instantly, I was crushed. Now, did I go on the roller coaster of what the crushing was about into, oh no, this 
oh, this is just not going to be good. This is awful. No, what I actually did was I went, love, you see as you say that, I'm getting crushed. Let's ditch that. Save me a whole heap of pain. How many of you do that with your thoughts? Or do you go, I'm pretty crushed, therefore that's got to be true. Thought plus feeling equals reality. doesn't work like that. Gentle words are a tree of life. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. It's a bit like one of those carnivorous plants. You ever seen a Venus flytrap and you think, why would a fly go anywhere near it? Because it's really attractive to the fly. Once the fly's there, that's it. The thoughts that keep kind of going, come on, think about that. Why don't you think about that? They really don't like you. She really doesn't like you. Those people over there, they really don't like you. You know that that's always true about you. This is always going to happen. You know what's going to happen to you? You're going to have that wasting disease all your life. And if there's anybody here this morning who has family um, and they have struggled with debilitating diseases that have come on them later on in life and they say that they are genetic and you've accepted that that's going to happen to you, I would strongly encourage you to break any agreement that you've made with that. And I would strongly encourage you to hold every thought captive when it comes to those thoughts coming to you. You're going to have arthritis. You're going to have Parkinson's disease. You're going to die of this. Well, my grandfather died of that type of cancer. Let's, let's not. How about that? Let's just go, I'm going to trust you, God, so you can just not come in. Does that sound like a plan? Filters, filters are boundaries. Boundaries keep the bad out and keep the good in. Henry Cloud, if you haven't read his book on boundaries, it's absolutely brilliant. But he said that boundaries keep the bad out and keep the good in. So I've already quoted this. Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. And then Proverbs 4, 23, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. We protect what we value. So what does that say about our thoughts? We have a house alarm. We actually inherited it. But we diligently put it on every time we leave the house because we value our home, because we see worth in it, because we want to protect the items that are within it and just protect it as a space. Therefore, we put the alarm on. And yet most of us do not protect our minds or what we think. And I would suggest that for a lot of us, because we really don't think that we're of any worth, that could be part of it. And if that's the case for you, there's going to be a call today for ministry just about experiencing God's love. I would really encourage you to do that. After that experience in the car filling up with his love, I came away thinking, you know, maybe I'm not that bad after all. He really, really loves me. Have you ever seen Charlotte's Web? Isn't that a great story? And the spider says, oh, it gets me. <laughs> you think he's crying about this. The spider says, you made... I can't even remember the line because it's just come to me. Oh, what a moment. Because of your friendship, you've made something that looks ugly beautiful. So because God's coming and saying, you're beautiful, would you listen to him? Protect what is, what is of worth to you. We need to protect what we value. And if you don't have a value for what you think or for your, the protection of your own heart, you need to get one. And in all of this, like I said before, what is now natural to us, like driving the car or riding or walking or learning to eat or speaking a foreign language or doing the job that we do. I started a new job in March. And when I started, it was like, oh, my goodness, we have to count the safes every night. You've got uh, 
two combinations to remember, two keys to use. The notes go in one place. The uh, money has to be put back in a particular order. You've got to weigh the coins. You've got to know what uh, weight all of the coins are. Then you've got to sign it all off on the sheet in the right place. Uh, make sure it's all shut down and locked down. And if you've done it in the morning, you can't do it in the evening because then there would be no accountability. When I first started, I was, how am I ever going to do this? I don't even think about it now. Just do it. So in all of this, please don't suspend what you've learned in the natural and not then apply it to the spiritual. We do this all the time. If it's good, it's going to be an instant download. Really? Has that been your experience? I don't think he's ever done that. Most of the time he says, come on, you need to start this. And I'm like, this isn't one of those like holding my thought captive thing again. If you're standing there going, that's too much work, I don't want to do it, join the club. But get a value for why God would ask you to do it. So think about these things. Draw your mind back to these things that I'm about to go through. Get a hold of what you're thinking about. Philippians 4 verse 8. This is a filter that I have found really, really helpful. It's like uh, if you're learning to love somebody, go to the love passage. Love is patient. Love is kind. Doesn't envy. Doesn't boast. It isn't proud. Doesn't rejoice in the wrong, but rejoices with the truth. Doesn't keep any records of wrongs. Always hopes. Never gives up. Never fails. If you're like me and you're trying to love somebody and you go, am I about, am I, what I'm about to do actually about loving them? What I find is if I'm asking that question, normally it's not. But when I start going through it, love is patient. Oh, for dear sake, I'm going to have to just stay quiet. Claire goes, you go on that love passage through your head again? Yep, that's what you need to do. (laughs) I'm trying to be self-aware, love. I'm trying to be. Leave me alone. So let's go through this. Philippians 4 verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So we've got to detach from the lies to attach to the truth. So it's not that we can just somehow accommodate the lies that we've believed and have the truth running along. They are separate programs and they cannot run together. We've got a break connection with the lies. So if you've been sitting here thinking, I am going to die of a wasting disease like my family members have. I have plugged in my faith to the lie. You need to detach from that and go, in Jesus' name, I don't believe that. I'm not making agreement with that because I don't know. But what I do know is, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, I can trust in the Lord with all my heart, and I don't have to lean on my own understanding. So you detach from that to attach to this. So it's overwhelming as you start, but don't give up just because you start. If you were learning to drive and it was difficult the first time, I guarantee that you probably went back because loads of other people drive and you wanted to drive to be able to get about. And what do you know? Even though it was difficult at the start, maybe it was, it was incredibly difficult for a long time, but at some point normally it clicks. And what you've been trying to do all of a sudden becomes the thing that you just normally do. Like I've said before, I didn't like how I did my A's and my handwriting, sad but true. So therefore I forced myself to change it and now I couldn't do it the other way just because I kept going. So whatever is true, not whatever is lies. Whatever is noble or kingly, not whatever is common or profane. Whatever is right, not whatever is wrong. Whatever is pure, that means not whatever is impure, perverse, or deviant. Whatever is lovely, 
not whatever is awful. Well, I'm just a realist. You know, I like to just, you know, really get my head into the dark stuff in life. How's that working for you? Does it make you feel all powerful and strong and somehow you're protected because when life hits the fan, you're going to be ready for it? No, they're not big boy pants. Big boy pants are going, God, I can trust you. It's going to be all right. Let me focus my mind on what's good. Whatever is admirable, not whatever is detestable, despicable, or nasty. And whatever is excellent, not whatever is just okay, all right, or good. Remember that the good is the enemy of the best. Can I get you guys up? We need to know this list. So what I would encourage you to do is this week, get those verses, Philippians 4 starting at verse 8, and Proverbs 15, I think it was starting at verse 3 or verse 4. We want to know those things and we want to begin to apply those things. We want to let the Word of God filter our thinking. Can I get us to stand together? We want to let the Word of God, who is the Rema and the Logos, the Word of God that we have in our hands, and the Rema being the Word of God as in Jesus Christ. We want His thoughts on our relationships on our finances, on our work, on our stresses, on our fears, on our anxieties. We want to know what he knows so that we can filter life into the reality that it actually is. So as always here, we always speak onto a response. And the response looks like you respond to some questions that I'm going to give you. And even if you can't say yes to any questions, just come up for ministry. We want to eat whatever the Holy Spirit is providing for us uh, to, to, for nourishment this morning. So the questions are, do you need revelation of any stinking thinking that you have? Do you need some insight into what it is that you're thinking about? Or do you need to know the love of God for you, that it's specific and that it's unique? Or have you realized while I've been speaking that you need to put a filter in your mind? If you can answer yes to any of these questions or you just want to come for ministry, please come and join me now at the front. So we're going to worship for a time and then after worship we're going to minister. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence among us and we know that it takes you to worship you so will you increase now? We want to connect with you spirit to spirit and worship you with all we've got. Come, Lord.